Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. This is part B. So these two great things is one is being indwelt by Christ. And the second is submitting to the authority of that indwelling one. You see, if you have those two, what else matters? Because whatever does matter in the mind of Christ, he's going to make known to you. And all you got to do is submit to it. You don't need to sit down and beg God for the details of your future so you can make godly decisions. That is S9. You simply have the indwelling one in you, which means you have the mind of Christ in you, which means the mind of Christ is going to speak to you, and you choose to obey. You don't do what these, these little kids do on this little globe set on the timeline of eternity and say, but mom, but, but, but mom. See, it's the but that creates the idol. If the person hears and if the person chooses obedience immediately, it requires one small but eternal factor. You have to know him. You have to know his voice. And you have to know it is him and not your self-thoughts. You have to know it's him so you know the difference between a demonic implantation thought versus a Christ implementation thought. There are no other thoughts out there. No matter how independent you are and how well you've groomed yourself, God, no matter how intelligent that self-God is, you're going to die and face the real God someday. There's no way around it. Einstein. There's no way around it. Your greatest, most profound thought you have ever had means nothing to Christ because he didn't have it. But if Christ had the thought and he put it inside you and you have this thought, it's the greatest thought of eternity. Logical or illogical. Generation Z is already priding themselves on the fact that they are thinkers. More than their millennial parents who were more impulse-oriented, I feel like Jesus is telling me to divorce my husband. They, the kids are even picking up on the fact that their parents' faith system was subjective in nature. And the Zs, these are preteens, are already making statements of being smarter and wiser 
than their parents. Their own children are calling their parents lazy. Whereas the Zers are starting to grow up becoming productive because they're thinkers. That's still not going to work. Any reaction in cleverness is the same reaction in disobedience. These are critical matters for us. So in other words, we're, we're down to two words, trust and obey, for there is no other way. The Bible shows us that the definition of sin is falling short of the laws of the Father. 1 John 3, 4. Also in Romans 2, verse 12, the phrase without the law is the same as having no laws to submit oneself to. You become lawless. Every human being ever born and ever will be born is going to be uncomfortable with lawlessness. Even your greatest rebellion. They're uncomfortable with lawlessness. So they form their own laws and their own society that supports it. To be lawless is to disregard the authority that put them here on earth, in place. So that resistance is literally denying God the Father himself. So to disregard the authority of God is disregarding the throne, which is the authority of God. To disobey is a matter of rejecting known laws. But to be lawless is a matter of rejecting the reality of existing laws. Civil, spiritual, doesn't matter. The millennial age is one of lawlessness, ignoring the existence of the holy laws of the living God. And if you read them out to them, they now have this excuse, which is working, by the way, this is not a methodology kind of doctrine. It's real and it's working. And that is the word of God doesn't matter to me because it was written by men. So therefore, they have come to this conclusion, don't quote to me your laws out of that book because that book means nothing to me because it was written by flaw-filled Men. Sinful men. So now this is why we have this society that we are facing today is because logically they're correct if they don't believe in the indwelling. You see, if they didn't believe in the doctrinal, the foundation, one of the key two elements of eternity that we have to embrace if they don't believe that Paul was indwelt by the Holy Spirit, by God himself in the form of the Holy Spirit, then they're correct. Do you understand this? So what makes the difference is the issue of the indwelling life of Christ. That's what makes the difference. So if they 
First, are rejecting point number one is by the indwelling life of Christ, then Paul was an idiot like everyone else on the face of the earth. Guessing. Using his past training and teaching as a priest to manipulate the people. And then there's the doctrines of Jesus that have been washed away, and that is, well, he really didn't get raised from the dead. That was a rumor that went around during the first century after Jesus died. That's called the Muslim Issa. I can go through cultural thing after cultural thing of attacking those two principles, truths. So see if they don't support the idea that the indwelling life, they're not going to support Peter, Paul, John, or any of the other ones. They will label them sinful men that wrote down these scriptures to manipulate people. Because that's how they feel today. So don't go reading to me from your grandpa's Bible. That's old, it's irrelevant, and it's proven that the Bible has been written by flaw-filled men that had motives to gain movements for some reason. So I'm telling you, if you are not a person of logic, you better pray right now that you get this logical piece that was given to us by the living God as a logical human You have the human, saved or not, ability to understand what I'm about to say to you. You do not need the Holy Spirit to interpret this one for you. I'm giving you a freebie. If you do not support the idea that Jesus Christ himself comes inside the mortal body of a born-again Christian someone who asked Jesus Christ to come live inside them. He actually listens to what you're praying. And he comes and lives inside your mortal body. And you now can be called an indwelt Christian. That's not hard to understand. little bizarre, yes. But it is not hard to understand. And if you don't believe that, you can turn your podcast off now. At the same time, we need to understand authority will have less and less of a place in the world, resulting in a reign. It's like a king reigning over a kingdom, resulting in a reign of lawlessness. You think things are bad now? You don't like listening and watching the news? Or are you spoiled rotten? Because there's a time coming real soon when lawlessness will rule the entire world. No rules apply to moi. I will do whatever I want to do. And that includes police officers. Corruption is ruling us already. So things are really not that bad yet. 
Let's take a look at our next slide. There are two principles in eternity, God's authority and Satan's rebellion. I mean, I think that's a good one to understand unless you don't believe in Satan. I think that's easy to understand logically unless you don't believe there's a hell coming. I think that's fairly logical unless you don't believe that there's a Hades. How many of you 602s, 292-2982, can tell me what Hades is? How many of you can tell me the difference between Hades and hell? And how many of you can tell me the difference between Hades, hell, and eternal damnation? No, these are terms, these are words that have been washed out of society. Everyone goes to heaven, including your dog. We'll see about that. So God's authority and Satan's rebellion. We cannot serve Christ within us on one hand, while on the other hand, taking the way of rebellion with the spirit of the Antichrist. Even though a rebellious person can preach, cast out demons, conduct miracles, says it to us right in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, unless, of course, you don't believe that Matthew was receiving holy words from on high to write down. You see, that's why you can't listen to me. That's why you can't hear the quoted scriptures and have it affect you, convict you, reduce you down to nothing. If you don't believe in Galatians 6.3, I'm going to lose you the rest of this message. You can text me right now at 602-292-2982, and I want you to tell me, without looking it up, tell me what Galatians 6.23 says. It's not a popular verse to memorize, but I'll give it to you anyway. This is another freebie. He who thinks he's something when he's nothing deceives himself. The key, the golden key for Satan is to get someone to think there's something. So he builds a a huge movement called the world of psychology around that one verse, training and teaching people to have a healthy self-respect, to love themselves. When Jesus himself said, quote-unquote, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life, see, I hate Steve Finney, he who hates his life will gain it. See, I know what Paul was saying to the Galatia church when he said, anyone who thinks he's something when he's nothing deceives himself. Well, Paul, that's our whole society today. It's our whole culture. Houston, we have a problem. Plus, Satan's going to laugh because the principle of Satan is blended into the service of Christ. Service is always subject to an authority figure. Always. Whether you're serving Satan, serving your boss, serving God, serving Christ in you, serving your spouse, serving your friend. It, 
you're subjecting yourself to a set of rules. The key question is whose authority are Christians submitting? If rebellion is mixed into our service, the question answers itself. We who are in Christ must gain the basic understanding in order to release Christ from within. We can't really serve because it is us doing the serving. With us doing the serving, you mix in biblical principles. This is what I'm talking about. Servicing and self-effort is satanic serving. Christ serving through you to serve your loved ones or strangers or persecutors, that's real service. It's all I want you to see. Anything that has to do with the I has a whole lot to do with the he of Hades. God will never enact the Holy Spirit to be released through you Listen carefully. God will never enact the Holy Spirit from within to compete with a rebellious heart, particularly in service that is being called Christian. If you are of the belief that God doesn't suffer from jealousy, you might want to read James chapter 4. Because it is, oh, that's, that's if you believe that those teachers were actually indwelt by Christ at the time. If you don't, don't bother looking. Because it'll be your flesh trying to understand it anyway. But it does say in that chapter, for do you not know that I am a jealous God? God is jealous. So what makes him jealous is a good question. You're staring at it. Works that are being given credit to Satan through a creditation service that it is not telling you where the credit's going is not only deceptive, but it's evil. It provokes in God to be jealous. I think that would be a significant problem. Knowing the difference will grant discernment of self-life service or that of releasing the Holy Spirit. He always knows who is doing which. Let's take a look at our next slide here. It's called Falling into the the Belly of Rebellion. As with Jonah, Adam and Eve fell into the belly of the fish, flesh, excuse me, same thing, which is the condition of Satan. Once in the belly of their flesh, laws had to be established to cause a bumper guard effect to daily living. See, their discernment levels were completely gone. If there were no bumper guards put in place, they would never know what was wrong and who was the one that said it was wrong. These bumper guards became quite critical for God. So the bumper guards were the laws of God, while the space within those bumper guards became the domain of godly living, thus 
reestablishing God's authority. You don't know you're under authority unless you bump into a wall. Then you start saying to yourself, it's like Jonah bumping up against the wall of the stomach of the fish. I'm in trouble here. I need a higher power. No, Jonah, you need the living God. No higher power is going to get you out of this one. You better call upon the one who created the fish or you're staying right where you're, you're at until you die. You'll not only die fishless, but you're going to die lifeless and have eternal damnation knocking at your door forever. This is critical. Thank you, God, for your bumper guards. As in the case of Jonah, he reset the bumper guards after rebellion. So what didn't just happen with Moses? Didn't just happen with Job. We can go story after story. He would do it over and over and over again, and he's doing it with you and with me. He allows circumstances to devour us so we're in the belly of the fish so there's bumper guards again so the only thing we can do is call out to God in this quiet little space. There were no distractions for Jonah. Besides a few stinky fish and slimy seaweed, you know, they had to pull out of his ears and and mouth and the stink. Well, I don't even want to go there. Poor Jonah had a few distractions, but he didn't have his normal distractions. So in the beginning, God established authority through what he created. God first created Adam and then Eve. God mandated that Adam would be the authority and Eve would be the one in subjection to Adam and his authority. God set one to be the authority and the other to submit. Why? To demonstrate how his authority works from on high. It wasn't to suppress woman, which is a ridiculous statement, because woman and man are one. There's just no difference. Haven't you ever wondered why after you get to heaven, men and women are going to be one? There's not going to be body parts separating them. They will be one because it was in the beginning that it was that way. That's why men and women together are called the body and the bride of Christ. There's no separation in God's mind. So when women are stamping around saying, I don't have to submit to you, I can make my own choices, I can, I can, I can, and men doing the same thing, I oftentimes wonder if God is getting a little chuckle. Because he's not startled by it. I kind of wonder if he just thinks it's kind of funny. Creation literally was taken from one piece out of another piece out of another piece out of another piece. And if you follow the authority trail backwards, guess where you're going to end up? In the lap of God. 
How foolish are we, God? Please don't answer that. Authority is created by who is created first. For this reason, wherever we go, our first thought should be to find those to whom have been given first place by the Lord and then submit. You go into Walmart, who are you supposed to submit to? This isn't rocket science. The store manager. manager. Whose rules do you follow? The store manager. And whose rules is he following? The corporate office. Who's the corporate office following? The owners. This is really easy. Now, How old do you have to be to figure out when you go to Walmart, you're supposed to obey Walmart's rules? You don't poop on the floor. You don't crawl upon the shelves and jump from shelf to shelf. You don't open up candy bars in the middle of the store. Okay, some do, but that's not hard. Six-year-olds are starting to figure that out. So they adjust their behavior to the established authority. Now go into the church and let's see how well that works. Maybe we should rename our churches First Gospel of Walmart because we might get a little more respect because people could connect faster. You drive down the road and you run a a stop sign or a red light. Whose rules are those? The city rules. Who's going to enforce those rules? Who are these little bumper cars? One of them we have with us tonight. Who are these bumper cars that come up and bump our cars? Police officers. You can laugh. You can argue. You can tear the ticket up right in front of them. And what are they going to say? Have a nice day. We'll see you in court. See, they load it up line, don't they? They keep loading it up line till you get to state laws, sometimes even higher. But when they go to church, hmm, maybe we should have lieutenants and captains in churches. Hi, this is Elder Captain John. This is Lieutenant Mark. I think they would get it a little better. But God forbid to have spiritual authorities governing your roadway. It's gone. Let's look at our next slide. Satan prefers secondary obedience. Man's fall came from the from not submitting to authority. Eve did not check with Adam before she made her decision. She saw that the fruit was good for food, pleasant to her eyes. So she took the liberties that came with her freedom and made the decision herself. I cannot tell you how many times 
that a congregational member or a counselee or someone who I'm working with and they come to me with some kind of huge crisis to them and it really was a significant event and they're dumping this thing in front of me and I'm actually called their spiritual father or their pastor and they're dumping this problem and I don't even think about what it is I'm supposed to tell them righteously. I just look at them and say, could you explain to me why you didn't come to me about the decision before you made the decision that this decision ended up backfiring on you and now we're having this discussion? Because I could have told you right up front, this is disaster. Um, maybe the first assembly of Walmart. That, that might help us here. See, people think they have to live these independent lives and make their own decisions because they have an idol in their life. They have formed their own authority, which is an illusion through their own brain that isn't even the size of a pea in eternity. I would rather stick to the rules and guidelines of someone who is in control of eternity. Wouldn't you? He said, well, that's impossible to figure out the mind of God. That might be why he put it inside you. And if you don't believe in the indwelling life, which some are calling the exchanged life, forget about it. Turn the podcast off. Everything comes down to that single theology. Christ in you. Everything. Going on with our slide, before she reached out to take that fruit from the father of lies, she first used her head to think independently of Adam. Embraces the temptation and submitted to Satan. Still submitting to someone. That's always a curious thought to me, is that people, rebellious or obedient, are submitting 100% to somebody. Always. Everyone is submitting every day, all day long, to either God or Satan. Therefore, by taking the fruit, by Eve did not only come from her, uh, that didn't, not only came from her God given ability to submit, but it came from the decision of rebelling against her authority, her husband, the representative of God's authority. Her violation was certainly a sin against God. His commandments and disregard that Authority, God, was actually given to Adam to provide the bumper guards, the guidelines to keep her safe from deception. Adam had a set of rules he was supposed to keep as a bumper guard to keep him from this wicked tree of knowledge, thinking. Think it through yourself, Eve. Look at the fruit. Look. Think this through, Eve. Is this not 
food? Is this not good for your eyes? Think it through, Eve. See, he could not put that fruit in her hands. She had to take it. Satan does not get the credit that most give him. He has to manipulate and use the tree of knowledge thinking to get people to make decisions so that they can run to their pastors and counselors and leaders and say, could you help me out of this fix? Aren't we on the back end of this thing? Shouldn't we be on the front end of this thing? I've even had some guys say to me, well, you want me to run to you with every little decision? No, just the big ones would be fine for me. Just the big ones. But see, that's not the issue, is it? The issue is they need to think through things themselves. But then they'll pay $95 an hour for some liberal counselor to tell them to think about it. My counselees, I don't want you thinking. I want you obeying, not me, the laws and life of Jesus Christ himself. That's what I want. If you want to think about anything, think about that you're thinking too much so he can do some thinking for you. Missy will like that one. So here we go. She quickly learned that rebellion against God's assigned authority is rebellion against God himself. Awesome, Eve. To make matters worse, Adam listened, submitted to Eve's word, and took the fruit. So both became guilty of the same thing. So who gets blamed more? And I know some of you 602s are going to think I'm going to say Eve, the woman. Wrong! It's Adam. That's why Adam got the majority of the consequences. That's why Adam ended up getting talked to last, not first. Because Adam negated his responsibility in protecting his wife from the tree of knowledge, and she fell. Here's our identity matter statement for today. Something Adam, even Jonah, should have remembered. While we live on earth, our first question should not be in the evaluation of our to-do list, in doing a certain thing, but rather we should ask to whom is giving the command, Satan or God. The key is not a matter of doing or not doing, but, it, but to whom are we submitting? Without submission, there's no work. That's just an honest statement. Satan can't get any work done unless you're submitting to him. And, and Christ can't get any work done unless you're submitting. This is really elementary Walmart stuff. It really is. Don't open the candy bar in the store. Junior, okay, mommy. See, this is basic stuff, but not in the church. 
A church has become an environment of entertainment. So why in the world would you come to church expecting to be told to do something before you left the building? You're not. So we don't know whether people are saved, unsaved, if they're murderers, if they're, you know, embezzlers in the... We don't know. At least we got that pew filled. We have a problem, Houston. The key is not in that matter of doing or not doing, but it is in the who we are submitting to. Without submission, there is no work and there is no service. When Adam took the fruit, the first question he should have asked was whether or not this was in submission to God. That's all he had to ask. Eve, all she had to do is, is this in submission to Adam? And her children, you know, one was a murderer, right? One was obedient and and giving the sacrifice to God, he asked exactly the way he wanted it. Bumper guards. And the other one's kind of like, really? Come on. You don't obey the rules and you'll become a murderer. James chapter 4. Read it yourself. What is the source of quarrels and conflict among you? Is it not your own members waging war with itself? You ask, but you do not have because you ask with the wrong motives. So you may spend it on your own pleasures. You murderous, adulterous generation. Why is he putting those two together? You might want to go back to the garden. Then you might want to go to that first generation after And you might have a psychological understanding of what those two brothers were warring with. Look at the slide. That's what they were warring with. One went the route of Satan. Think about it, Cain. Your brother's a spoiled, rotten little kid. With mommy and daddy's favor and God's favor. But look at you, reject. Who's he listening to? Who's your daddy? 602-292-2982. That would have all Adam would would, would, uh, needed to ask himself. All of the work of an indwelled Christian should come out of submission through Christ within. Nothing is of its own initiative. Everything we do is out of submission. Again, the question is, to whom? Everything should be initiated by God, and nothing should be initiated by us. For the us is the he of rebellion. been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the Believer's Identity 
in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.